Welcome to the Intentional Abundant Life Podcast. I'm your host, Sasha Star Robertson, Jesus freak, mom blessed by adoption, wife, wonderluster, and your intentional living and biblical mindset coach. If you're here, you're likely a busy woman wearing multiple hats, the most important of which being child of God and mom simultaneously. You have a desire to live more intentionally, striving to be a good steward of all the gifts that God has given you, and you want more productively peaceful days. Well, you're in the right place, sister, because that is exactly what we do here. First, building on a foundation of faith with purposeful priorities while mastering our mindset and implementing simple self-care. So mama, grab your coffee or strap your kiddos in the car seat And let's jump into today's episode. Hello, sisters, and welcome back to another episode of the Intentional Abundant Life Podcast. I'm your host, Sasha Star Robertson, and we have a special reoccurring guest here today, my husband, Robbie Robertson. Hello, everybody. And today we are coming at you with four powerful phrases that can change the way you look at life. At least they have for us. And guess we'll just go ahead and dig right in. So the first one that we're going to talk about is the maybe parable. Robbie, would you tell us what is the maybe parable? Um, I don't know the origin of the story. Somebody said it was a Chinese parable, but it was a real interesting story I'd heard earlier this year and it's had a profound effect on our lives. And the way it goes is there's a, a guy that is like a horse farmer or you know, has like a horse ranch. And his prize horse runs away one day. And his friends say, oh, man, that's terrible. Your horse ran away. You must be so devastated. And, you know, it's, it's so bad. And he goes, eh, maybe. And the next day, the horse returns and it brings three wild horses with it. And his friends go, oh, praises, this is amazing. What a wonderful blessing. You've got three new horses when you had, you know, just this one before. And he goes, eh, maybe. The following day after that, his oldest son is riding one of the new horses, and it throws him, and it breaks his arm. And his friends are right back to the other end of the spectrum. Oh, my goodness, what a tragic incident. Your son's injured, and he's wounded, and he's, you know, he can't function, and he's in pain. This is so terrible. And the guy goes, yeah, maybe. And the following day, the army, the emperor's army came into the village and conscripted all of the able-bodied young men to go fight in a war. His son had a broken arm and was disabled, and he wasn't able to go. And I, I really like the story because the face value of what an incident looks like to us may not necessarily be that blessing or curse that it appears to be. Yeah, it's like never never what it seems. And so I think for us, it's been really great to hear this and just constantly be reminded of it. And I think it's really a great picture of, um, of the gospel and just reminding us, you know, that God's thoughts and God's ways are higher than our own. And we can't act like we understand and know them all. And, um, I was thinking about recently, you know, all these times where if I would have gotten what I wanted, or what I thought was best, um, was that going to truly be what was good for me? It's truly never what it seems to our 
own perspective and our, our lowly human perspective. And it just reminds me about how God's ways are higher than ours and his thoughts are higher than ours. And truly, when we submit to his will and, and seek his understanding, so many things about our circumstances change, um, or at least our perceptions and our receiving and responses to those circumstances. Yeah, we even actually get to witness this uh, in the gospel. So I want you to imagine for your imagine for a moment putting yourself in the situation of the Saturday after Jesus hung on the cross. I mean, think about this for a second. The, the, the Lord and Savior, God coming to us as man, has just hung on a cross and died. And it appears to be the greatest tragedy ever. And imagine somebody said, maybe, because they don't know what's going to happen you know, on that third day when he rises. Yeah, I mean, they were told, but like, how do you believe after, you know, after you just watched somebody die, right? So very, very good example, very beautiful picture that you've painted there, Robbie. And, and I know that we've seen this multiple times in our lives as well. Like uh, our adoption journey was, was this picture painted over and over and over again. And, um, you know, multiple disruptions throughout that journey. And I don't think we've actually sat down and shared a whole podcast episode um, here on the Intentional Abundant Life podcast about it. And I think it's been a blind spot for me because I've been a guest on many other podcasts that have had me share that story. Uh, But that being said, we had multiple disruptions throughout our adoption journey. And after each one of them, it was like, man, this is terrible. This is horrible. I feel awful. Like I had this expectation, which I shouldn't have had, um, and all this other stuff. Uh, but in the end, like we have our son here, you know, his parents are, his first parents are, are so amazing. And I truly couldn't imagine it any other way. So looking back, I now know all of those instances were maybes. It wasn't, you know, my, my emotions and my limited perspective in that time wasn't exactly um, accurate. So the next one that we're going to talk about is uh, what I like to call whose dream. So as some, I kind of mentioned this a while back, but I was in the military and every day going to work, you have to go on base. And when you go on base, you show your ID to a guard at the front of the gate. And it gives you time for, you know, a momentary small talk, not even an elevator speech, just a, hey, how are you doing today? And we all have these programmed built-in responses to different, you know, hey, how are you doings? And one that I had adopted for a while there was, living the dream. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm living the dream, living the dream. And one day, close to the end of my last enlistment, I was coming on base and, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm living the dream. Without missing a beat, the guard says, whose dream? And blew the top right off of my skull. Because I didn't realize whose dream I was living at that point in time. To give a little bit of background, um, I was a jet engine mechanic in the Air Force. And one of the reasons I chose to do that instead of any of the other very militant military jobs is I wanted something that was going to be marketable on the outside in the civilian world, which is translated very well for me. I've got a really great job, a wonderful career right now in aviation as a result of starting off here instead of like working on nuclear bombs or something. 
And I remembered that the point of going in wasn't to do 20 years as a lifer and then get out, but to posture my life to where I could direct it back to where I wanted it to go. And somewhere along the lines, I had lost sight of that because I'd been fed this narrative of, you know, a military career and what a military life would be like. And this is something that we all have to remember and retain is that just because you're good at something doesn't mean it's your calling. And I was really, really good at being in the military. I had a great you know, sense of discipline. I, I was on top of my job. I had a great sense of integrity, still have a great sense of integrity. But was that lifestyle and the demands that that levied on my life and the sacrifices that were incumbent with being in the military necessarily my calling? And it wasn't. And I hadn't put that question into perspective until that very moment. And then it came into stark focus. I mean, immediate focus. Whose dream am I living? And it was that day I realized it wasn't my own. Yeah, I I don't really have a whole lot to add to that, but I can add my perspective because I remember it was, it came at like the perfect season. It was almost like a God moment without even realizing it was a God moment until, you know, you have perspective 2020, like looking in the past, right? Where we were already kind of in this situation where Robbie didn't really want to reenlist, but it was the time where he needed to make a decision. And he, we kept like putting out almost like these different fleeces where it was like, okay, well, if this, then, then I'll reenlist. And if that, then I'll reenlist. And so, um, there was already a heavy, a heavy leaning towards not reenlisting, but it's like, oh, if the overseas assignment list comes out and, you know, we can go to Germany or Japan or some, some other cool place overseas, then I'll reenlist so we can go there. Um, and then nothing came up except for where we were at in England already. And we were ready to go. And then he's like, oh, if the, if the state's listing comes out and something good comes up, a place that we'd actually be interested in living, then I'll go ahead and reenlist. And then that came out and it was like, I think Idaho and North Dakota. And uh, we were just like, yeah, no, not doing that. And so it was this very questioning time in our life that this, that this whose dream came up um, by this gate guard one day. But since then, we've kind of kept that thought into perspective of, of all the different things that we're doing. And a lot of times when those like big questioning seasons come up of like, what am I doing? It's just reminding, okay, am I living the dream? And if so, whose dream? Like, is this really what God is calling me to do? Is this really, um, something that that's meant for me? Or am I doing this because it's just going with the flow, going with the motions, um, being fed almost somebody else's expectations for my life. So, um, that was a really, really good and powerful one for us. And so I want to ask you all too, whose dream are you living? Number three that we want to get into in terms of these powerful statements or questions that have changed our perspective in living is this idea, this phrase that you can do hard things. And I don't even remember exactly where we picked this up from. I think it was maybe a TikTok or an Instagram reel, some kind of short form video content and in the context of parenting where you know kids will always say it's hard I can't do it it's hard but the idea that yeah you can do hard things and I think you know in the idea of parenting like that's really great and super super valuable but what about for us too because I think it's a really important reminder for us about the hard things 
that we are capable of doing in life and not saying, oh, that's difficult. I just don't, I'm just not going to do it. And for me, like this comes up for me a lot. Like when I um, have been running recently, because running is a new thing for me. And uh, Robbie's like, who is this woman? Um, Because his wife a year ago would never do this. Um, But we've just been even for fun going to the gym and like committing to run three and a half miles, um, you know, multiple weeks in a row. And so while I'm doing this, you know, it's just like, man, this is hard, man, I can't breathe, man, my side hurts, my my toes are going numb, whatever else, but just reminding myself, you can do hard things. And it brings me back to that um, Philippians 4.13 that says, uh, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And it's so true. And I just remember in those moments that I can exercise self-control. Like I am the master of my body and I don't have to give in to this mindset that this is difficult or hard or I need to quit. I can remember that I can do this hard thing that I can push through. Uh, and I think, about, I think it's second Corinthians somewhere. The, the part that talks about, you know, all runners in a race run but only one runs for the prize and it's the ones who keep their body controlled and disciplined um, and push through so I just think about those things when I think about this you can do hard things concept um, and thought shift in my life yeah this is absolutely one of my favorite favorite forms of encouragement one of my or one of my favorite statements of encouragement and it's it's born off of a response to people that say it's not that hard because when you say things like it's not that hard you're discrediting and uh taking away from the person that's doing it you're saying that you're implying that they are weak because what they're doing is not actually a challenge that they're weak that they are the failure where when you come at it with a perspective of you can do hard things it's no that you're acknowledging this is not easy but you are strong enough to overcome this and it's empowering and it's character building. And it says, yes, it is a challenge. Yes, this is something that is not for the faint of heart, but you are equipped for it. And uh, there's a very similar statement that I think gets misconstrued a lot. Actually, I know it gets misconstrued a lot in, in scripture where people erroneously say, God doesn't give us more than we can handle. You know, that, it's not even in scripture, but God doesn't give us more than we can handle with him. And that's a different perspective right there. That's empowering. That's strengthening. That says with this source of strength that you have access to, you can tap into it any, any time you can, in fact, achieve this. You can overcome this mountain. Uh, if you try to do it alone, you're not going to succeed. But if you do it with God, you will. And you friend can do hard things. And the final statement I want to dig into today and share with you uh, came from, I, it was actually, this is secondhand. I heard it from a friend who heard it on the Joe Rogan podcast. It's another podcast you might be familiar with. It's modeled very closely after this one. As a matter of fact, Joe Rogan is a huge inspiration of, uh, for Sasha or from Sasha. I, I don't, I have no idea about that. <laughs> no, I'm pretty confident. I'm, st- I'm sticking to my story. Anyways, um, he was interviewing a Navy SEAL one day. And Joe says, you know, man, you do, you, you have this very high tempo life, very dangerous, 
you're on the road all the time you're you're always you know having to perform at like the maximum level like how do you do it like where how does this how does this even happen how does it work and the seal responded with like the most simple yet most mind-boggling statement ever of well the work suffers last and and the moment he said it sasha i have to tell you the moment that i heard that i knew exactly what it meant and i related to it immediately and this is something that i know plagues a lot of men i can only imagine it plagues a lot of women it's got to plague moms especially overwhelmed moms in that you let every other part of your existence fall away before your work and uh, i've thought about this pretty deeply and it's it's an inverse proportion to what you sacrifice and let suffer to what gives you grace in life. So, for example, if you don't show up one day for work, you're probably going to get fired. There, there's, there's, or written up. You're, there, yeah, there's going to be some form of reprisal or consequence for not showing up. And it's going to be immediate. It's going to be instantaneous. If you don't show up one day for your spouse, they, they might be a little miffed. But if you don't show up for you know one month, they're, they're going to have some serious problems with you. Uh, with your kids, if you don't show up for one day, they may not even notice. You don't show up for one month, it, it may bother them a little bit. You don't show up for a year, and you've actually just created an entire uh, personality that's uh, turned against you and resentful of you. And if you turn away from God, you can do that for an entire lifetime, if you so choose, and you will suffer the consequences of that. The, the inverse of that is that these things are what give you grace. God gives you more grace than anything else in the entire world. Your children give you a ton of grace. They, they idolize you and love you. Your spouse gives you a lot of grace because they love you, they rely on you, and they know who you are. But your work, your work doesn't give you any grace, very little grace. And if they do, it's very conditional grace. Well, you may have this problem and we're going to tolerate it because of X, Y, and Z. And it's hinged on your performance and it's very conditional. And this wires us to let things that give us grace fall away and things that don't give us grace to focus our energy and attention on. And what that results in is our work is the thing that suffers last. Now, this is a really insidious problem because our heart posture and perspective should be the exact opposite. You should be pouring into your relationship with God. You should be focusing on him. God should always come first. Your family is your very next highest priority. They're the people that are going to be there after you've retired. If you quit your job or you lose your job, they're going to have you replaced in a week. You are irreplaceable in your family and absolutely not replaceable in the heart of God. He's got a place carved out just for you. It's your spot. You're there now. You're going to be there one day. If you've fallen away from it, he's, got it. he's holding it for you. You'll, you'll never lose that spot. But your work, yeah, they'll find a new job for you. Pretty, or somebody to fill your spot pretty quick. So I would challenge people to look at their lives and see that the work suffers last and to change the, change the narrative on it, to change how you approach it and to feed the parts of you, the parts of your life that truly matter and that deserve all that you have to give. Wow. 
that was way bigger than I expected it to be. And I never drew that conclusion that you did about that almost like stratification really of like whoever signs us the most grace is the one that will honestly like make suffer the most. Um, and, and it's almost like that the squeaky wheel, um, you know, gets oiled first kind of mentality and very profound. And, and I know you, you have this from like an employee perspective where, you know, you go to work, punch a clock, 40 hours a week, 40 plus hours a week. Um, if you were to leave, they'd, they'd find a new mechanic to fill your spot. Like you're just a number. You literally have an employee number assigned to you. Um, and especially to the people higher up, you know, you're just a number. Um, but to me, you're, you're irreplaceable. Like if you were to go, there's, there's no one else filling that spot. Um, and, and so I love this perspective too, that you had said, you know, even moms, moms like pour out and, and I see this so often and it's why, um, I, I recently led this simple biblical self-care masterclass and will probably be leading it again because I see so many moms who literally neglect self-care and it produces so many undesirable results and bad fruits in our lives because we, we give ourselves grace but like to our, to the detriment, right? To the self-sabotage level where we're constantly just pouring out into others. And, and we have this idea and this mindset and belief that, that we are here to serve. And, and moms, we are. Like that's the primary function of our existence, especially early in motherhood. Like we are created to be our husband's helpers and, and to be nurturers in so many things to our kids as well. But we're also meant to equip them and build them up and help them grow up with autonomy and responsibility. I've got a podcast episode on that um, that I did last month or the month before as well. So, um, Robbie, I'm so grateful that you brought that up because I was not even thinking about it from a mother's perspective. I was thinking about it, you know, when you'd mentioned it before from this Navy SEAL perspective, from this, you know, the dad goes and punches the clock for 40 hours a week perspective. So thanks for bringing that into this as well. Yeah, I really appreciate uh, you acknowledging that and kind of seeing it from a new new light and that, you know, we were all able to kind of learn today. Um, it's just really enriching and, and edifying to have these conversations and really kind of flesh these uh, these concepts and these ideas out and it definitely changes it to go from, you know, my brain to my mouth and to say it out loud and then to hear the words on it. So I think a lot of it's God breathed for sure, hundred percent. And uh, I just love having these conversations with you. This is always a really fun time and I just appreciate being here. Thank you. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Robbie, for being a guest here on the podcast. And, um, you know, if you're if you're a mom listening to this, if you're if you're one of my regular listeners, even if you're you're a spouse that's been shared this episode or or invited in to listen to these episodes, um, we'd love to hear your feedback. So whether you leave a review right here on the platform that you're listening on, or you come over and join us in the Intentional Abundance community, or even shoot me an email, I'd love to hear your takeaways. I'd love to hear your feedback, and I cherish every single review that um, comes across 
And I want to know, do you appreciate these podcast episodes where Ravi is here joining us? Um, does it give you a different perspective from, from, you know, maybe, maybe seeing things from your husband's eyes a little bit easier, perhaps, or, or maybe exercising a little bit more grace towards them. Anyways, thanks again to all the listeners for tuning in. And thank you so much, Robbie, for joining us on another episode here. Have the best day.